Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host. Joining me today, an incredibly special guest. She was one of the top burlesque performers in the world. She was crowned Miss Exotic World in 2008 at the Miss Exotic World pageant. She's had multiple appearances on Conan, Good Morning America, The Today Show, <laughs> Gossip Girl, and more. She's the Italian stallionette, Angie Pontani. Hey! <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for joining. And I, so first all for our listeners, how we originally connected, we ended up <laughs> connecting through Italian, believe it or yes. not. Uh, you we were my tutor. <laughs> <laughs> and that we were just talking about that. It was about 10 years ago, which is yeah. insane. You haven't, you don't look like you've aged a bit. I look oh, like thank you. time has taken a toll on me. No, <laughs> so. no, 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 no. Um, but I just wanted to say, how's the Italian going now? Are you? Well, it's pretty much basically where you left me. <laughs> I actually like, that's not necessarily true. I got like, well, you know, I think after we stopped studying together, I ended up working in Italy a, a ton. Like I was in a TV show out there. I was going out there like literally probably every two or three months. And at that point I got really good. And I kind of lost that shyness, that fear of just opening your yeah. mouth and diving in and the horror of what's going to come out. I got over that and I did really good. And I was like, I wouldn't, I will never say that I was fluent, but I could get by, I could get you through Italy, but that I have not been there in several years now. So I feel like I've plummeted again, but I'll get back. <laughs> I was like, right before this pandemic happened, I was, I had two trips scheduled to start going and backing and work back and working over there again. But so hopefully when this is over, I will, but I think that's the thing when you're there and you're living it and you're immersed in it, it's so magical how it comes back to you. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I feel like I haven't flexed those muscles in a while either. So uh, my yeah. Italian has started to atrophy as well. But yes. <laughs> that, that's, I, I mean, that's super cool that you were doing TV over there. What was, was it awesome. like? I mean, it's awesome to like be in another country, especially Italy, but yeah. like being on TV, I had seen a couple clips of, and I, I think I saw you on Comedy Central, the Italy version where you did the Il Gatto or something? Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We did a whole dance lesson on the Italian Comedy Central. No, I mean, you know, TV is amazing, period, no matter where you are. It's so electrifying and so fun. And as a person who's primarily a live stage performer, you reach so many more people like in that two minutes or whatever you are on television for than you would in, you know, three years of performing. So it's pretty mm -hmm. magical. But I'll say in Italy, especially like, you know, I'm Italian American and my family is all from Italy and I still have a lot of cousins there. And the Italian people, like they loved that and they embraced me and they embraced that about me like so much. They were like, you're in your original country. They're, they wrote an article about me. They called me all sex and spaghetti. And I'm like, that is my favorite press quote ever. But wow. so they were just, yeah, they were so wonderful to me. And I, I worked there. They just, they were great. They were so, so welcoming. And it did feel like, um, like a homecoming whenever I would go there because they just loved the fact that my roots are in Italy. But, you know, there's that Americanism that they love as well. So it was really, really fun. Oh, that's awesome. I don't look Italian whatsoever. So when I go over there, they're like, oh, you're a German. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's, I'm Italian American. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 you can't trick us. So you're one of those like, like little blondie Italians. 
my cousins, they'd call me mozzarella because I was just <laughs> so white. Come on, mozzarella is delicious. Yeah, that's what I tried to say, but uh, yeah. It didn't that is go not so offensive at all. <laughs> uh, but I also, first off, I want it, well, second off, because we've already gone on to first off, but I want to apologize because I don't think I comprehend how lucky I am to have you as a guest because oh stop it <laughs> i'm no 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 i i'm not that well and i have been pretty versed into the the burlesque verse as i started to do my research and everything yeah but i'm just like oh my god i'm not worthy to have one of the best burlesque dancers in the world <laughs> on my podcast Ooh. and it, it's just so cool to see all the things you've done and i it also amazes me where I have a lot of comedians on here and they talk about unconventional ways how they got into comedy. And I'm sure that there are just as unconventional ways to get into burlesque. And I wanted to ask what started to spark your passion for getting into it? Well, you know, when I got into it, I didn't even really know what burlesque was. Like growing up, I had always wanted to be like a dancer, a singer, an actress. I wanted to be like Carmen Miranda or Rita Hayworth, you know, like I loved the visuals and the energy and the vibes and the style of all those films from the 40s and the 50s. I just thought that was like so cool. And it was like the epitome of glamour. And that's what I wanted to be. So when I came to New York from New Jersey, that's what I started. Like I started to go out and audition for things. And I was sorely disappointed because it was all like modern dance and tree in the wind and chorus girl, you know, fifth uh, row in the back doing lame dance moves. And like, <laughs> so I was very disenchanted. And um, I just kind of started hanging out in the downtown scene where anything goes. And there was this kind of punk rock version of that glamour ideal that was kind of starting to tick up a little bit. And I randomly got into a show in like the mid to late nineties um, that was a burlesque show. And I had no idea what it was. And I went to go see it and I was like, oh my God, these girls have tail feathers and headdresses and lashes and gorgeous costumes, but they're also like, it had this edge to it. It was like, they weren't, you know, perfect, gorgeous Vegas showgirls. They were like, it was New York. It was New York's version of this, you know, glamour ideal. And I fell in love with it. And I got cast in that. I was like 17 years old. Um, wow. And then it just spun out from there. And for me, it was just kind of being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I've worked hard my whole life for sure. I've thrown myself into it um, head first, but I was lucky to be in the first wave of burlesque. So I was performing before the word was even being tossed around. And because of that, I got to be like one of the pioneering figures of it, you know? So I kind of helped to create the new movement. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Because I had also heard, listen on your podcast, Bump and Grind, yeah. uh, where you were talking about with other guests that you had the the new the new burlesque movement and everything mm -hmm. like that and I was going to ask when you got into it it seems like it wasn't a thing yet it hadn't really yeah. started to bubble up into the the mainstream so yeah nobody really knew what it was people didn't understand it but they knew that they liked it because it has this uh, authenticity about it and it kind of strips away all these veneers that we put on ourselves and when you mm -hmm. go to see a burlesque show you you might have this idea of what you're going to see and it might make you nervous because you think oh it's going to be sexual it's going to be intimidating i'm going to get put on the spot 
But then when it happens, it's just so in the moment. It's so entertaining. It's so exciting. And when you have a good performer, they kind of lay all these ideals that we have shoved down our throats on what beauty is and what the standard of a body standard should be and all these things. And that kind of all just blows up and goes away. And you see this beautiful, exciting, confident performance that just kind of inspires you, you know? So it's a very loaded art form. On one hand, you're like, yeah, it's just this gorgeous, glamorous striptease. But on the other hand, it, it carry it's a messenger for so many uh, messages that are important and valid right now. That's super cool. And I was going to ask too, at being a pioneer in the new movement, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all of the stuff that goes into doing it, which it sounds like from what I had heard and, and researched, you end up doing your own choreography, your oh, yeah. own costumes, your own moves, everything. And and I wanted to ask, how did it start to come up like that? And what were some of the biggest challenges for you? I'm imagining the costumes being a big one, but. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up sewing. My grandmom taught me how to sew. So I had a real like a uh, advantage in that department. But yeah, you kind of had to do everything for yourself in the beginning because there was nobody to go to for these things. And most of us didn't have the money to go to somebody else, even mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're like, oh, I got to get this done. So and that was kind of one of the punk rock edges that I think lends itself to it. But I also think as a performer, when you're making your own character, you're making your own costume, you're uh, creating the theme to your own performance, you're picking the music that in itself, like entrenches your soul in it even deeper. So the audience is getting so much authenticity from you. Like they're getting your message so loud and clear. So I think that's one of the other things that makes burlesque uh, unique. You know, it's not like you're a dancer and you're in a show and someone's choreographing it and there's a costume department. It, it's very authentic and it really comes directly from the performer. But with that said, it, it is a lot of work. And over the years, um, the more successful I became and the more I was able to, I got the, getting my costumes made was the first thing that I did. <laughs> Costumes and wigs. I was like, that's it. Take my money. <laughs> I don't want to do my hair anymore. And I don't want to make costumes anymore. Oh, my. Yeah. It, the, they are very, very extravagant and just so oh, yeah. detailed that I was just thinking, oh, my gosh, to be able to. Make oh, there's so much work. And then you throw them on the floor and <laughs> it's just tragic. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> how, I was going to ask, how many uses do you get out of a costume? Is it <sighs> tons? Oh, tons. Okay. I have costumes that I'm wearing that I was probably wearing when you were tutoring me. I have costumes that are 10 years old, you know? So yeah, they, you know, and you just, they, they get made very well. They're very durable. They're like lined. They have hidden zippers and there's boning and, you know, you can get them zhuzhed up. I'll take them back to one of my guys every couple of years and have some, a panel replaced or some tool fluffed up or something, but they last, they last. Ah. Do you have a favorite costume amongst the many? Yeah, you know, I do actually. And it's hilarious because it's a piece of fabric. I do a ballet to La Vie en Rose and mm. the costume is literally like two yards of a sheer nylon fabric. And that's all it is. And I do it on point in ballet shoes. And the whole dance is just a shadow dance and it's all backlit, but I could fit this costume into a Ziploc bag. And that's why I love it. I'm like, it's in a Ziploc, <laughs> literally fits in a Ziploc. And I love it, love it, love it. Oh my, yeah, you don't have to check that bag if you're on a flight. No, I don't just have to check that bag. I don't have to, I, it's a Ziploc, literally. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's my favorite. 
I was going to ask too. So I know that you started to do it. Then what, at what point did your sister Tara start to get involved? So my sisters came in really early. When I started it at 17, I was in another show. It was called Dutch Wiseman's. And it was really like the formative okay. show of Neo Burlesque in New York. When that show shut down, I stayed with them for a couple of years. Then I dragged my sister Tara in with me because I was like, what am I going to do? We got to, I have to do a show. And of course, you know, being Italian American, you just force your siblings to do things with you. So I forced Fair. my sister to do it with me. <laughs> and that, and that's, and she was like going to Columbia, getting a doctorate in something like super smart. I don't know. She's totally like my scholarly sister. And I dragged her into showbiz. <laughs> I dragged my brothers to be podcast hosts with me, but they, decided, they were like, no, I don't want to do it. So after a year, they were like, we're done. <laughs> but Damn it. my sister did the same thing. She left me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you ended up, you and her, and then you ended up auditioning for a third Pontane yeah. sister. Mm -hmm. We did. We did. And I th that was like 1999. Yeah, probably about 99. Mm -hmm. wow. That's when we found our adopted sister, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that like doing auditions? Like what, what did the auditioning the and like having an open call in New York city in the late nineties was like completely mind blowing. There was some <laughs> crazy, crazy business that came in that room, you know, but um, it was, you know, I, I think we probably had over 50 girls and it was really fun. Um, we did a dance number to Copacabana, but I remember like I saw Helen and it, I knew really pretty much instantly that it was going to be her just because she had that vibe. Um, you know, she had that edge, she had a cute little like 1920s flapper haircut and she just had this edge and I, it, we, we clicked instantly and she really is like a sister. We, she's our Polish sister. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you guys started going at that point, you guys had started touring and yeah. what was it because i'm also thinking i have not been to a burlesque show yet all i've seen were clips online so okay I, the first question i was thinking of is like where would i see a burlesque show in phoenix arizona where i live i i imagine seeing it in like vegas new york i don't know yeah. if it's in those smaller towns where where did you guys start touring and were they unconventional places or were they oh yeah Absolutely. Yeah. We, when we started touring, uh, we first got to start touring with this band, Los Straight Jackets. Um, and they're kind of like a surf guitar band and we would do our routines before their show. So like, you know, we actually played Phoenix. I'm trying to remember the name of the club, but I can't, I can oh. see it in my head. And it was almost like a sports bar kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, oh. we played places that didn't have dressing rooms. We would be in the van behind the club getting dressed. We played places that had holes in the stage. No, we would play anywhere. We were like, just give us a shot, you know, and let us on stage. And, you know, and, and it just snowballed from that. But yeah, there was no, because this type of entertainment, I mean, you're also looking at like the late nineties, early two thousands, kind of like coming out of that grunge scene. You wouldn't go to a bar or club and typically see a, a girl's dancing on stage or this kind mm -hmm. of live performance, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of the places that we played were really not um, set up for us at all. I mean, we played like uh, freaking barbecue restaurants, <laughs> like, 
like, <laughs> anywhere, anywhere, you know, I'll pretty much still play pretty much anywhere. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, we went all over and we did like summer music festivals in the Midwest, like playing the Piggly Wiggly stage and all this crazy <laughs> business. And it was really, really fun. And it was exciting, nice. too, because it was for a lot of people, the first inkling of burlesque that they, you know, had been exposed to. So it was nice to be able to do that. And, you know, we were really pretty much always met with a, a good response. I, I, Texas, I remember one time I played Texas and the audience formed a prayer circle for my soul. But other than that, <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, what are they doing? And then the stage manager said, um, that's a prayer circle. <laughs> and it's probably for your soul. Oh my God. They took bless your heart literally and they yeah. just started trying they to They were like, oh, oh the sinner. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I was like, what? Okay. Thanks. Oh, wow. Wow. That is truly, a, that's more prayers than I've ever got. So that's, I mean, I was happy to have those prayers, you know, why not? I need them. You're ahead of the race for me. Yeah, yeah totally. That's a, totally. That's amazing. Texan prayers. That's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. Cause I was going to say in these different areas, especially in like the South, I was wondering yeah. what, and even in like, if it doesn't seem like the the right place or it's just a different venue than you would ordinarily yeah. perform burlesque i was wondering what the reactions of folks would be and i guess prayer you, circle is one of them prayer circle is one of them otherwise you know when we would go to do these shows they were ticketed shows so people were coming there to see it mm. so oftentimes you go to these smaller towns and you know the crowd that wants to see this show they want to see this show you know they know they aren't going to get exposed to this that often it's an event so typically you would get that group of people that really want to see it but you know every once in a while you look at someone who's like what is this prayer circle you know <laughs> wow Amazing. yeah what was it like promoting at that time because i uh, no social media around i'm sure yeah. it was a little bit different it was totally different, you know, I mean, it really was like you would make posters and postcards and look up the record shops in the town and, you know, mail, call them and say, can I mail you these, you know, I'll give you some comp tickets, will you put them up for me? And they would hang up your posters and put out your postcards. You could find like, you know, people in town that you would pay to go around town and put out your postcards and your flyers and of course the good old newspaper, like nice. just basically like that, that was the jam, but it was fun. I mean, it was a lot of work and a lot of money really to kind of print and send all that stuff, but mm -hmm. it did have a nice personal touch back in the olden times. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the, how did the, what were the fans like? Did you start to get fans and, and, um, what was that like building? It a was following? awesome. It was like, well, like I said before, it's like, you know, you go to these places and these people are so excited to see it. Cause you know, yeah, in New York yeah. and even in like Jersey, you have access to so many different things, you know, it's just a short drive or train ride, but so many of these places don't. So the crowds would be really enthusiastic. And, you know, it's like, we developed fans that I still, still come to shows, you know, we, our Valentine's day show, this would have been our 15th year. We mm -hmm. do it in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, which is, you know, it's right by DC, but it's a kind of a secondary market. Um, mm -hmm. And we have uh, the audience there, 500 people. We sell it out every year. There are people who have been coming since the first 
one. And we're kind of like, we're friends now, you know, Hey Bobby, Hey Jan, you know, and we take pictures and we talk, how's the kids? So it's really fun, you know, but yeah, we've got fans and audience members that have been coming to the show since we started doing them. Oh my gosh. That must be so freaking cool. I'm just thinking back to my childhood where I grew up on a farm. So the 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 craziest thing that I got to see was a ukulele player because I well, had not that's even fun. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, a prayer circle around him at the end because they didn't know they see? thought it was the devil's music. But yes, yes, <laughs> I thought it was beautiful, and so it must be so cool as you're describing it. The people that you know they don't usually get to see this type of thing, and then they see it and they're just completely bewildered by the yeah. art form and. And it it creates a lot of enthusiasm. And it's like I said before, like burlesque, people don't know what to expect of it. You know, they don't know Mm -hmm. what to think. They get nervous because, you know, they think it's going to be nudity and what's the vibe and how am I going to act and what is it like? It kind of just like a good show just kind of lays, it just explodes that all that nervousness goes away. And it's, it's such great energy and it's fun and it's, you know, burlesque is from comedy. It's satire. That's the root of burlesque, you know? So if you maintain that satirical energy throughout your performance, it really creates a magical moment. I had to Google burlesque actually, because I didn't know what it, I was like, I was doing all this research and then I was like, wait, let's back up. What is burlesque even? And then it's like you said, it's like satire comes from- And it has Italian roots too, you know? Yes, yes. So I, uh, you know, I felt a little, I was going to tell my mozzarella friends that I. Yeah. Uh, you're like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey Tony, I learned to work. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was really nice. But speaking of Italy and, and international, so you guys started to also tour in Scotland and go international oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was amazing. I mean, it's like to have this your performance take you around the world to go to these other countries where people know your name and you know of course at this point we have social media but it's like myspace it's not anywhere near what it is today so to just kind of make these connections all over the world just by word of mouth essentially at this point and it was really really flattering and exciting so when people started to be like hey we want to take you over to scotland to do this and you know we want you to come to italy and we're going to go all across spain it was like okay yeah let's go it was amazing i mean i've gotten to travel the world you know and it's amazing that's incredible and even tv too i know you guys yeah. have made multiple appearances on conan the for although the first time it seems like didn't work out but yeah, first time was rough. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. It, you guys ended up getting cut short because yeah, because Dick went... Clark talked too much, man. Oh no, bless his soul, rest in oh, peace. Man. Love Dick Clark, but yeah, we were on, and uh, we Amy Sedaris had hired us to come on with her to be the reject rockets. Well, she was the reject rocket. We were the rockets. We did a whole number. We had made, I made her a costume and we were supposed to go on at the end of the show. And Dick Clark just kept rambling and rambling and rambling. Uh, and we're just like sitting in the room waiting to go on. And like, we sent postcards to our entire mailing list and our families and everybody saying, watch Conan on this night, you know, um, cause this is when mailing lists were literally, you sent them in the mail. Um, and oh. oh my God. And we were just sitting in the dressing room and they came in and they're like, we're so sorry. We got to cut you. And it was devastating. We cried. It was oh. so heartbreaking. 
But you know what? That's showbiz. And because of that, they liked us a lot. Like they really thought we were sweet. They loved what we did. Conan had us come back like probably five or six times before he went to LA. We we danced with life-size hot dogs, horses. We pushed Abe Vigoda in a tub. We sang with Max Weinberg. You know, like we were regulars on the show and that came from that missed opportunity. So, you know, those tears were wasted. It played in our favor in the end anyway. <laughs> those tears just hydrated future dreams. Yeah. Ex- oh, I like that stuff. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I got to see one of the clips where you guys were singing where he was like, my producers are saying that I'm wasting time. Yeah. And can't then, and waste then... time. We can't <laughs> waste time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and that. And those shows were fun, man, because we never knew what we were going to do. And we would just get like that day they went in. They were like, go in the band room. Max wants to know what key you guys sing in. And we aren't singers. So we were like, what? So we were like, can we sing it in opera key? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we are, we are not singers. Somebody sent the wrong memo, but okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, you guys could hold a tune because it didn't yeah. seem like you weren't singers. So that's great. Only an opera voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so yeah, I, uh, and so I know that coronavirus has changed things for a lot of people. How has it yes. ended up affecting you and how have you been able to um, you know, stay sane and still be able to feed that creative muscle. It's crazy. You know, the thing is, you know, right before this happened, my husband's musician, he's a trumpet player, um, and a singer and he's Lady Gaga's jazz band leader. And right before this happened the past year, we had been building momentum on a show in Vegas that was essentially the after party to her show. So she was playing at the park and after her show at the park, we would do an after show at the Nomad. And, you know, it started out as a small thing and then it just started picking up steam and picking up steam. So we were out in Vegas for months at a time and it was really amazing. I got on the billboard. Um, what was it? <laughs> the first week in March. <laughs> And my friends in Vegas are sending me my picture on the billboard. And I'm like, yes, I finally made it. And then it was like, like oh. oh, you know, it's a bummer. I, I'm a positive person. I always try to find the positive. I always the, just keep moving, you know, and mm-hmm. I will find projects to do artistically. You know, I've done some stuff online, some on-demand shows, but, you know, we've pivoted our, our content a bit. It's, it's hard to kind of translate a striptease on Vimeo. Also, right. you'll get banned. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But I'm just trying. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be you'll get cut down. Um, oh. But, you know, we're just keeping busy. We're doing different things. We're keeping up. You know, social media is a great tool for us in that sense to still be able to connect with our fans and put nice. out some stuff. And, you know, but we have a five year old daughter. So I'm also a kindergarten teacher right now. <laughs> So. Oh man. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's bonkers. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's, that's the crazy. toughest gig I've ever had. That's... <laughs> yes. I can't imagine. I, my wife and I, we don't have kids yet, but we were thinking, oh man, we, we moved to Arizona because we were going to be closer to family so yeah. that they could help us out when we started making a family of our own and we were planning on starting to do it. And gosh, this, this thing came around and we're like, if we were, yeah. if we had somebody that we had to just babysit and, and do zoom calls with their teacher and all that stuff that oh my God, would it's be so a crazy. Bit of a, 
Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. And I think especially for the little kids, you know, the high school kids, yeah. you could just be like, get on your computer, go do your yeah. thing. For her, I, if I don't sit there with her, if I turn around for one second, she's looking at the screen with like two crowns coming out of her nose. You know, <laughs> like, I'm just like... My my boss at my job, he also we have our Zoom calls and then just his kids come into the room and they're like, yeah. Daddy, I have a question. Mm-hmm. What's the capital of, of Washington? He's like, Daddy's in a meeting right now. Yeah. And he's like, hold on, oh. I'm gonna mute. And then you could see his mouth go. Yeah. So, Get out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have been like that where I'm like doing an interview and I'm like pushing her head away. It's just like, come <laughs> on. Get out. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I I think um uh, and and you I've also saw the recipes that you've yeah. been doing as well. Oh my god. I saw the was this gnocchi in um in a freaking it was like baked gnocchi in a Oh yeah, with like a pancetta sauce I make and yeah. then I put the mozzarella on top. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Oh. See that I started when I had my daughter, when I had Cecilia. I was like, I, I couldn't work. You know, I had these big mm-hmm. dreams that I was going to have her. And like a month later, I was going to be back out on stage. But mm-hmm. then reality just like smack attacked me in the face. And I was like, forget that. <laughs> so I didn't really work a lot for the first year. But I was like going a little bit crazy because I, I always have to do something. I have to make something. And if it's not a show, then it's like dinner. So I mm. that's when I started really getting into that blog. And that was cool because it like it got me. It, it, it opened up other doors for me, which were really exciting. That is so cool. And that just shows what an innovative and creative spirit you are because I mean, the career path that you have forged and and blazed, I feel like was done with all of the hard work that you've done and, and the creativity I think as well. And those sewn together just shows how far you've, you've gone. I mean, as you were talking about in Vegas, how that was blown up, I saw videos too of you dancing yeah. with Lady Gaga and your husband playing the trumpet yeah. and totally. I was like, what the hell? This I know. is amazing. We were like, we're on top of the world. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, what could happen? A pandemic. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. Son of a- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask too. I mean, hopefully, optimistically speaking, yes. this is going to be ending or or at least under control in the next six months to a year. What are you hoping to achieve or what are you hoping to jump back into Vegas? Once this all kind of clears Vegas. Vegas. We want to go back to Vegas. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, I'll never leave New York. Going back and forth was so dreamy. It was so wonderful and really, really fun. So that's just really what we want to get back to. It was such a great gig. And it's like, you know, performing in New York is amazing. And New Yorkers are so amazing to perform for. But the crowds mm-hmm. in Vegas, it's like you're performing for the world. Like whoever's yeah. there that night, nobody's from there, really. Everybody's from everywhere. And, you know, you talk about having an audience that's excited to be there. Like Vegas audiences were always so excited to be there, especially at our show, because you never know who's going to show up. Like you, you never know who's going to walk in the door at our show and end up on stage. And many nights it was Gaga, you know, and that was really, really fun. That's incredible. And I have to, uh, w- once ever, you guys start going back, I'll probably plan a date with my wife to show totally. her yes. a burlesque show because yes. she's never seen it either. And you guys are not far. I know. I know. It's like a five hour drive or a yeah, 45 that, minute oh, plane ride. 
easy. And I'm, you'll probably be able to get a plane ride for $50 once that happens. <laughs> that is very true. Exactly. Oh, yes. God. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. Nice. Oh, that's incredible. Well, Angie, we're going to go into the advice portion oh, of the podcast. Okay, great. We're going to answer some questions. <laughs> Before right. we answer some questions, though, I like to get us nice and inspired with an inspirational quote. So I've got oh, one. Okay. But before I give mine, I like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that they cling to to help get them through the dark days or um, motivate them. Yes, I say this like 50 times a day and it drives my husband and my child, everybody around me insane. I say, follow your dreams, chase your rainbows. <laughs> That's what I say to everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. I follow your dreams, chase your rainbow. And it's obnoxious when I say it, but I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm love- usually just being a wise ass when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That should be a bumper sticker too. Yeah, I feel like it's your got dreams, that. chase your rainbows. <laughs> it also translates to go away. <laughs> I love that. It's like the Brooklyn bless your heart. Yeah, it's just like go follow your dreams. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> I love that. Well, I so the quote that I have, it's not by wait. any person. It's actually okay. by a robot. And it's Ooh. called Inspirobot. So what it does is it, I love the way you drink. That's a very classy way of. I'm very sophisticated. Drinking the <laughs> Pinky <beverage>. out. <laughs> Me, I'm like both hands just pawing yeah. at it. Well, you have a giant water bottle. <laughs> That's true. In Arizona, this, this is. Oh, uh, you need if, that. Yeah. If you have anything smaller, the police will stop you and give you a ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you'll die. <laughs> yeah. So, so this quote is by Inspirobot. And what it does is it uses AI to take some of the wisest words known to man or woman, and it just mashes them together for a beautiful inspirational quote. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes okay. it does. Let's see what it means to you. And it's so funny, your quote, I, I did not prepare this to be this way, <laughs> but the quote from Inspirobot this week is, Examine the rainbows, not the pain. Oh, so wow. We've got, a, we've got a double rainbow on this. We have episode. a double rainbow. Look at that. It's like, this is <laughs> so rare. So rare. Yeah, I like Inspire Robot. <laughs> Very inspiring, right? I think maybe yes. it's examine the rainbows. Maybe you meant to say exi- not the rain, but then. He dug into Shakespeare and then pain got in there. So then he put it. Yeah. AI. Yeah. But I like it. It's like, look at the rainbow. Just just follow your rainbow. Admire. Yeah. (laughs) Admire the boot, the the booty. Admire the beauty. Whatever. I mean, that could be the (laughs) rainbow too. Whatever your rainbow is, admire it. Admire it. I like it. I'm into it. All right, now that we're nice and inspired, I feel like we're going to the questions. So we've got a couple questions that some fans have sent in. Ooh, okay. This first one is found by our fan, Laura. Thank you, Laura. And she found it on Reddit. It says, how to give out more romantic vibes and less friendly vibes on a date. I'm having no problem scoring dates, even during these COVID conditions. Issue is that since dates are limited to just grabbing a coffee and going for a walk, it's hard to build any kind of romantic chemistry. Help? That's, That's a tough one. I love how this guy is just coming out the gate super cocky. Like, no problem scoring dates. I am just yeah. killing it in the dating scene. I Especially think- in this climate, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm spreading love. I don't know what everyone else is spreading, but. Yeah, <laughs> COVID. <God>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, maybe 
One of the things that I'm thinking with the COVID out now, you're probably wearing a mask with the date. So maybe you could have some sort of message on the mask that makes you more inviting and romantic. Like That's maybe cute. lips, like with a nice lipstick yeah. on it. That might be. Yeah, I mean, you could burlesquify that a little bit and like put some rhinestones on some lips. I feel like that sends a very clear message. Oh, I love. Have you done that? No, but I've seen other performers do it. Some of the girls who are performing now, like out, like they're doing shows on the sidewalks and they have to wear masks and they like rhinestone lips on the front. And it's very cute, you know, but you know, when you lose your face, it's hard. You lose like your main point of expression. It would be hard to kind of send that kind of body language. So maybe he needs to rely on other parts of his body to send body language. Oh, that's perfect. Relax, you know, just relax, shoulders back, you know, open, open vibes. Maybe a couple hip gyrations if you're really yes. feeling the vibe. I feel like that's either going to seal the deal for you or end it completely. But <laughs> then you have your answer, right? Then you know. So that's it, actually a great thing. Exactly. If you're, yeah. if you are uh, having no problem scoring dates, you just want to be as efficient as possible on uh, yeah, will totally. this be romantic or not. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's good. <laughs> I, I love it. Bedazzle the mask and bedazzle Bump the body grind. language. Yeah, Bump totally. It, yes. Bump, Bump and grind. grind. Problem solved. Done. On to the next <laughs> one. So before we move on to our last question, we've got a segment called Positive Spin. Angie. Okay. And this, I've created this segment because a lot of times when problems and, and challenges arise, we immediately think of the bad. And so I have a scenario here that'll help us try to think of the good first as a training okay. exercise so that when bad things actually happen, we'll start thinking positively first and be able to overcome those challenges. Okay, I'm in. But one challenge I have is finding a succinct way of being able to describe that segment. But you know I what? I think you That's... did well. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so for this positive in this scenario, this is very custom tailored to Angie Pontani. So Hi. you and your husband, Brian Newman, you guys have a gig. They're like, you know what? We want you, it's in Vegas, and like, we want you guys to do a show. You're like, great, pay you millions of dollars. Then you guys show up, and they're like, oh, we want Brian to do the burlesque part and Angie to do the trumpet. Positives. What, what what's going on through your mind we got well they they even they even created a costume for brian okay i was gonna say my first thought is a negative and that's brian's not gonna fit in my costume <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be too big for him <laughs> um the positive uh exploring new territory challenging yourself in different artistic ways um, and for myself, this might be an underhandedly negative positive. I would love to see my husband do what I do because he always busts my chops and says, all you do is walk around in circles. So I would love to see him walk around in circles. Oh, that is beautiful. There you go. So your husband can walk a mile in your heels and understand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to play the trumpet. That would be really fun, too. You know, first of all, you can wear flat shoes. That's a positive. That would be exciting. So oh, good point. Good yeah, point. I would do enjoy you, that. Do you play any musical instruments? No, I'm the worst. I'm so bad. I have no musical skill. He's tried to teach me the trumpet a hundred million times, and I literally cannot even get a toot to come out of it. It's so, you don't just blow. You have to like put your mouth in a certain shape and blow a certain way. It, it's rough. It's rough. If, 
Yes, I have. I remember in middle school trying to do it, and they're like, you can't just go blow. You have to no. purse your lips in some yes. weird, weird it's way. It's really, really hard. But, you know, I would take that challenge because this is one of the showbiz rules. Whatever happens when you get an opportunity, if that opportunity is going to move you forward, you have to take it. And that was like, no, even if, even to like, do you know how to juggle lions? Yes, no problem. Learn how to juggle lions. Like, and that's when we did that Conan and they were like, oh, we need you guys to sing. You know, we were like, okay, whatever you need, whatever you need, you know, I'll roller skate, I'll do this, I'll do that. So it's like, you just got to be ready and you got to go for it. <laughs> that is incredible and terrifying for me. And I was going to ask, is it also terrifying for you? Because it seems like you just go with it with a smile. I get like a certain adrenaline when I get around an opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it's because I've been in this business for a long time and being in the right place when that opportunity presents itself, it's not, that's not a skill, that's luck. So when you, your luck hits you and you're in that spot, then you find your skill. And that just comes from a desire and a passion and a confidence that you may have to fake, but it's like, I know so many people who are so talented who have not had the same opportunities that others have because they're simply not in the right place at the right time. So it's like, when you're in that place, you take that opportunity and you just eat it. Oh, I love eat your rainbows and just admire eat that too. rainbow. You eat that rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, beautiful. I feel like you passed it with flying colors. Maybe, oh, maybe a rainbow. <laughs> beautiful. All right. So we've got our last question. This okay. is from, oh, I didn't write down the name of the fan, but it's found on Reddit. It says, an old lady on Facebook asked me to draw her cat for payment. Now she refuses to accept it as a hand-drawn and won't pay me. This is frustrating. Basically, I was asked by an old lady on Facebook in a cat group if I can draw her cat. I kindly accepted and offered to do it for much less than I would normally charge. The deal was a digital painting that would be emailed to her. She agreed and I spent hours on it. I showed her the finished picture with a small watermark on the corner of the face. She then said, sorry, this is not hand-drawn as asked. I was so upset and wasted so much time. Does anyone experience this? What can I do? Wow. I'm I can't say that I've experienced that. <laughs> I I agree. Have you ever have you ever done a well no, because they pay you up front, right? I was yeah, gonna ask if you've no, done a gig. I've never, then... I've, I was stiffed once and I will say this. After that, I got paid up front for everything. And the time spent chasing down the payment, which we never fully got, was not worth the effort in the end. So I would walk away from the cat lady um, and just let that rest. And then if I felt that my drawing was exceptionally amazing, I would like put it on t-shirts and trucker hats and sell it online. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a brilliant Get your idea. money back, you know? And there's so many sites that you can do that now where you don't have to put any money out. You can go to Teespring or all these other sites where you just upload it and then people can buy it so you don't even have to go out of pocket. Mask, trucker hat, duffel bag. You know. Oh man, you could even do the like kitty type accessories for yes. the cat lovers on your Facebook and then post it on mm -hmm. the cat Facebook On the cat group. group. Yeah, exactly. Because vengeance is, it's a little sweet. Oh man. You know what I would do is I would put it on the bottom of a litter box. And so when Ooh. the litter gets low, the cat face starts to peek up and be like, fill me up. I don't think that's how litter boxes work because I think they oh. don't empty. Well yeah, but, I don't. But it would peek through every once in a while, and I think that's a fabulous idea. I would be. I mean, if life. you can make a litter box cute, then you've <laughs> cracked a code. 
You, yeah, exactly. You're on the, you have struck gold if you're able yeah, to make a Yeah, you struck gold. Mm, but I would start getting deposits on those cat drawings. That's exactly, that's what I was going to say too. Make sure you get paid up front. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. want to press pause and, and. You don't want to get payment. scratched by a cat lady. Oh yeah. You say, <laughs> I want it up front, right meow or else. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was good. You don't want it at the tail end for sure. No, for sure. no. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, that is our last question. We've reached the end of the podcast. Angie, huge thank you for joining and being silly with me. Oh, no. It was a blast. I wanted to ask, where can people find you? What have you got going on? What would you like to plug? Well, if you go to AngiePontani.com, that's my site that's got my recipe blog on it and mostly everything else that I've got going on. And then I do have a show streaming on demand um, through February 24th, um, that people can catch on burlesque galaxy is the site burlesquegalaxy.com. And it's our Valentine's day show. And it's kind of like what I was talking about with you. We kind of made it like a 1970s television special with all the guests that I normally perform with everybody filmed something silly at home. And we edited together and kind of made this ridiculous, ridiculous Valentine's day special. So it's called burlesque Pades. Um, and it's on burlesque galaxy. And it's, it's really, I asked my sister today if other people thought it was funny other than myself. And she assured me that they do. So it's funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And for all the listeners, it's going to be in the show notes. So you can just tap right over there and click okay. and you can find everything. Awesome. So, well, Angie, if you want to hang on for like 30 seconds after I say goodbye to my audience, yes. we can Awesome. Well, audience, you guys have been great as always. Good listeners, if you've made it this far. Thank you so much, and we'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Woo-wee! What a lovely episode with Angie Pontani. And you know what? That's just how I start my sentences now because I'm just so excited with what a great episode it was and what a lovely person. And you know who else is a lovely person? keeping you in suspense. You, you're a lovely person. You made it this far listening. Thank you so much for listening. The support, if you haven't yet, follow me on Instagram at a comedy advice podcast. Subscribe on my YouTube page. I'm getting these videos up so you can see me in the flizzesh. That's right. Oh, yeah. Pasty old Steph is up on the YouTube screens now. And um, support Angie. Subscribe, leave a review, follow her do all the stuff. I'm mixing it in now, the support her, me, because we're all just one big spirit, right? I'm burning sage right now, and it might not be sage. I am feeling great. Love you guys so much. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. Goodbye.